G'day mates, welcome to another Guitar Wing Podcast. Here we go again, my name is Troy McCubbin. Thank you for joining us. This is Guitar Wing Podcast episode 35, no, <laughs> this is episode 99.36. You know what? I can't believe we're still continuing continuing with this bullshit but we are, and uh, you got to give us uh, consistency. We're 0.93, no, 99.36 into it. Oh, shut up. All right. Here we go. Another Guitar Wank podcast. Wherever you are in the world, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you have tons of podcasts to listen to, and um, we are just a mere little podcast on your mere podcast choices uh, pimple list and uh, the fact that you're listening to us right now uh, there, fuck I've already lost a few listeners of my long intro I'm sorry <laughs> um, we really appreciate it thank you so much you have lots of choices and there's way more professional podcasts out there fuck them all for being so professional and organised because uh, that's not our stick but anyway welcome it is uh, another Guitar Wing podcast it's another great one I'm excited to bring this to you my I think I already told you my name uh, Troy McCubbin it is my birthday so uh, excuse me because Bruce took me out Mr. Bruce Foreman took me out and and got me a little drunk but that's (laughs) that's alright because that's what mates are for Love you, Bruce. Mr. Bruce Foreman, thank you so much for making my birthday memorable. Or not memorable. It doesn't matter. Anyway, the missus was supposed to take me out to the sushi. She was sick. She woke up. She was crook. Woke up feeling like shit. So Mr. Bruce Foreman stepped up. He's like, Troy, let's go out. I'm taking you to sushi. And we did. And uh, we had a great night. And then we went on to... um, Viva Cantina in uh, Burbank, California, and watch John Pisano play his uh, guitar night every Tuesday night. This 89-year-old gets up there and shreds with his guest guitarist, and he kicks ass. 89. I'll be happy if I'm just pissing in the toilet at 89. And John, uh, what a legend, is just still killing. And we've got to have him on the show. I keep... We've got to get him back on because it was such an honour and such a pleasure to have a legend like John Pisano on. If you don't know John Pisano, Google him. He uh, he worked with Joe Pass and he's he's got major history, but he's been doing this guitar night at Viva Cantina in Burbank um, for like 25 years or something. Ridiculous. 25, 30 years. Don't quote me on that, but it's around there. It's a long, long time. Like every Tuesday night. It's amazing. And he gets up there and he does his stuff. 89. So um, good on you, John. Massive respects. Um, respects. <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay, it's my birthday. Okay, cut me some slack. Uh, <laughs> we've been drinking. Uh, yeah, the big 47, motherfuckers. So there you go. I'm here and um, I'm happy to be still here. Anyway, uh, another big shout out to a few other people that had birthdays recently. Um, and I, I gotta say a big shout out to one of my best mates and one of my brothers down under, Brad Kipriotis. Happy birthday, mate. Uh, his is the 27th. Uh, so big shout out to you, mate. Happy birthday. Larry Goldings, 
I believe he turned 50 today, the same day as me. So that's kind of cool. Uh, there you go. Uh, we also have Jack Black. Happy birthday, mate. Uh, give us a call. You haven't called for a little bit. A little disappointing. Uh, Rob Harris. Fucking Rob. Over in Pommyland. Our guitarist over there, mate. Uh, guitar mate guest. Extraordinaire. Beautiful man. Rob Harris. Happy birthday for the other day, mate. Laura Evans. Happy birthday. A lot of really extremely talented people having birthdays the same day as me. Coincidence? I think not. I think not. I think uh, it's just um, talent. A lot of talent was born around this time. And uh, you may be saying, Troy, why did you not get any of that talent? And I'd say, fuck you. Uh, Anyway, so anyway, it's our birthdays. So happy birthday to all of us. And a massive thanks to Bruce Foreman for all that. A big shout out to... Hang on a second. Hold your horses. A big shout out to... um, uh, some friends of ours that are big fans and they just had a baby and uh, we want to say a big hello to them down under. Aunt and Uncle Sandra and Cole Brown. Their grandson was born today. I assume that's the 28th uh, in Australia. So we'll just take that. Anyway, Sandra and Cole Brown, congratulations. Lots of love to you guys and uh, thank you for supporting Guitar Wank. <laughs> and uh, Peter Safaris, Safaris. <laughs> I knew I was gonna fuck that up. Oh, I tried so hard, and Bruce did tell me a bunch of times. Uh, but anyway, Pete, I know you listen to the the show, mate. Thank you so much for all your support. I really appreciate it. And uh, <laughs> I think I fucked up your name. Ah, Safaris, Zevaris. Ah, fuck. Why even try at this point? I've had a couple of drinks, so it doesn't matter. But anyway, so there you go. Uh, All that is happening. Uh, What else is happening? We have a super special guest coming on next episode, Scott Henderson. Oh, my God. I've heard a lot about this guy. Uh, Apparently, he's a pretty good guitar player. We're going to have him on the show next week. (laughs) Motherfucker's been just hibernating. I don't know what he's been doing. He's probably... A meth addict right now And he's just doing meth In his meth lab And his house And recording guitars I don't know We'll find out What the hell is going on With Scott Henderson But that'll be fun uh, What else is going on We've got a lot of gifts To give away uh, So keep Doing what you need to do What do you need to do Troy Oh my god Troy You don't listen Fucking I'll tell you You need to go to the website Guitarwank.com Go there and subscribe to guitarwank.com. Really simple. Leave a review. Very important to leave a review uh, on iTunes or Stitcher or any of those marvelous places. Like, just lie. Just lie as much as you can. Guitarwank, by far the best Guitarwank podcast <laughs> on the planet. Better than Joe Rogan and all those really successful podcasts. This podcast is way better. Just say that way better, just a better podcast. And all the other 
guitar podcast, Riff Raff with Shane Ther- Terrio. Uh, who is this Shane Terrio? We don't know. <laughs> Suck it, Shane. Uh, I want to. I want to start a guitar uh, a podcast. Guitar podcast war. Jude Gold, go fuck yourself. There you go. That'll start something. Good on you, Jude. Um, anyway, we'll try and get something started there. But anyway, we're better than all the other guitar podcasts because. I'll leave that up to you to fill in those gaps. So anyway, go fill, leave us an amazing review. That'll be freaking awesome. And then after you do that, you've got to email us. There's like three things. And just email us. Tell us what you think. Tell us that you did those things. Then we'll put you in the, in the competition. All right. That wasn't too hard. Um, I think that's it. I think I said hello. Do we need to say hello to everyone? Who else? Um... Thanks, Bruce, for the tequila shots. I really appreciate it. Hey, it makes for an interesting start of guitar wing. All right, let's get into it. Oh, it was Scotty Henderson's birthday too. Fuck. Mr. Scott Henderson, it was your birthday too the other day. Uh, another, yeah, he's, he's got some talent. He's all right. Uh, we'll find out what he's doing. Let's get into it. Let's get back to Greg V. Amazing Greg V. If you don't know Greg V, check him out. Google him. He's a Google him. Google him. Google I'm him, uh, Greg V, his album, Tailgate Troubadour, fucking, if you don't know it, go get it, it's an, it's a badass album, and he's a super badass player, a super talented guy, and a sweetheart of a person, an amazing photographer, thank you so much for joining us, I'm sorry this intro is a little long, but hey, fuck you, it's my birthday, and it's my party, I'll cry if I want to. Uh, let's get into it, Mr. Greg V and Mr. Bruce Foreman. Thank you, and keep the donations coming. Remember, guitar went caps. If you don't have a cap, you pretty much are nowhere in life. You need a cap, you need a T-shirt, you need a mug, coaster, pick. Oh, my God, all that stuff. Riff Raff, do you have that? Hey, Shane, do you have mugs? I think not, sir. <laughs> I'm trying to start a war. Jude Cold, do you have mugs? No. Or do you have caps? I think not. Uh, send all donations to guitarwank.com and we'll catch you all next week.
so that situation was kind of I was just challenged in that situation. How did that go down? Yeah, how did that? What happened was he called me. Uh, he actually called my wife, and there was a whole funny story to that, which I'll tell another time, which which was a big miscommunication. But anyways, we finally connected, and uh, he wanted me to come in. I would played the night before at Louis Belson's 80th birthday party, and it was at his his place in Carmel called Mission Ranch. And uh, he just we were just talking because we hung out. I know him pretty well, and I've known him over the years. I've done jazz shows for him and stuff. And he looked at me, and he just kind of had this strange look, like I almost thought he'd had like kind of a stroke or something or a seizure. <laughs> and he just looked at me and he said, "Guitar." And I'm like, "Whoa, this is weird." You know, I mean, I know this guy for third twenty years, thirty wow. years. He looked at me and he pointed at me and said, "Guitar," in that weird, dirty, hairy kind of way. <laughs> and it's like, "Okay, yeah, okay, what's your point?" I don't know, whatever. Anyways, and then it just kind of went on to whatever because it was Louis's birthday party and it was a great time. And so the next day, he's called me to come into the studio. We did it in the studio up in Carmel, and. Uh, I want you, I got a movie, I need some music, you want you to do it. Okay, great. So I'm driving in. You know, and it's like, I'm, I'd just gotten back the day bef- that day from, the day before from Wales. So I'm jet lagged, I don't know what time it is and everything. And so I just threw my guitar in the car. And I'm driving into town, because I live out in the valley there at that time. And I go, shit, I've just got my jazz guitar here. Like, what if this movie's about a bullfighter? I can't use this guitar. <laughs> so got on my phone and I called a friend of mine who lived in Carmel and she uh, has guitars. I said, I got to borrow some guitars. You got any guitars? She said, yeah, the the, the uh, classical is in the living room and the, the flat top's under the bed or something, whatever. So like I go into her house and take a 12 string and a clap and a ukulele. I mean, I just <laughs> grabbed everything she had, you know. It's like people probably thought I was ripping her off. And... Uh, <laughs> She told me where the key was, you know, and, and so I go in the studio, and I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do, and he just says, I got this movie I'm doing, and uh, coming out real soon, and um, and it's about a female boxer. I'm like, but it, he says, but it kind of turns into a tragedy, and I'm like, What? <laughs> He goes, yeah. And he says, uh, you know, he's just telling me the storyline. He goes into depth, you know. Okay, and he says, and I'm looking for a Missouri back porch searching sound. That's all he said. So right to me, that meant steel string flat top guitar. Mm-hmm. And then he went over to a piano. Was there music before this on the? Sound on the uh, the movie. Oh yeah, there was lots of music. Uh, my assumption is, and he would have to answer this. Right. I'd love to get him on here to ask him, but um, my assumption is, he had a lot of music he didn't like, and that's I was being called in to rescue, because the music movie came out like about a week after I did my thing. Oh wow! Wow. And so, <clears throat> so um, he walked over to a piano. And he played the theme, the theme that he'd written for this thing. And I'm just sort of like writing it down so I, you know, don't have to ask him to play it five times to remember it. Mm -hmm. So I'm transcribing it as he's playing it. 
and then uh, he just plays the melody. And I go, okay. And then, so I said, I said, okay, I got some questions as well. I says, are you hearing this like major? And I played on the piano. I played it like it's a major thing. And I said, are you hearing it kind of like that as the minor, you know? And he looked at me and says, do you want to do it on piano too? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no. I like jumped back from the piano like it was electric. I said, no, no, I'm sure you can get a better guy for that. For this. But, you know, I mean, I can play piano okay, but not mm -hmm. good enough. For, no, no. And he says, are you hearing it like this? Is this what you're, you know, like to go along with your melody? Are you hearing this or are you hearing this? Because I need to know that before I start. Mm -hmm. And he says, that one. I said, okay, yeah, which was the major version. And so I said, okay. He says, uh, so I got this thing. It's got a little kind of bridge or a second. It's not really a bridge. It's more like a channel. And um, I sat down. And I've got this acoustic guitar. And I put the, you know, mic down. And uh, I just composed a suite of variations for about an hour. I just took the melody, played it, played it down, played it up, harmonized it, played counterpoint with it, put some chords with it, kind of took some liberties, took it in and out of time various ways. You know, all the, the ways you do if you were writing like a symphony on a theme. Mm -hmm. all, you know, a scherzo and an adagio and, a, you know, I mean, the, 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 the Ozark equivalent. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. um, well, that's what he wanted, right. you know, and it was sure. the big thing was the sound to get yeah. that, you know, to communicate that sound of searching and being on the bad porch and there was a lot of intentional uh, parallel harmony that mm -hmm. was out of the key mm -hmm. you know that sounded I guess you could say wrong to a person who wanted diatonic perfection mm -hmm. but made sense as a guitar player because mm -hmm. the way your fingers work you mm -hmm. know the ergonomics of the instrument I just because that's I know the way a lot of our particular uh, repertoire on the guitar works. Mm -hmm. A lot of the stuff that we think of as just traditional guitar things that the world has now accepted and now every instrument is playing mm -hmm. really came from a guitar player just doing something that was easy for his hands. Oh, right. And we've all, you know, for like 50 years heard right. from the blues and, and various things like these little weird the movement pa and, passing movements yeah, right. that, that are, of course are so ergonomic on the guitar but right. every other instrument is trying to like right. <laughs> figure out how to make that sound right. right. You know, and they've, it's become part of our lexicon right. musically. Right. And so I took advantage of a lot of those things knowing that that's what he was looking for. And I didn't have the opportunity in that movie to watch the movie I was gonna ask while that. I did yeah. it. The, some of the other movies I worked on, I did. Yeah. But and, but it was weird because he was sitting as close to me as you are right now, which is like three feet, four feet, mm -hmm. while I'm playing, which is kind of weird. But uh, he was like off watching the movie. Mm -hmm. I could tell. Mm -hmm. He was like, he was not present. Right. You know. And I just kind of took it. I just basically twisted and turned yeah. every way I could. And after about an hour, I was kind of done. I'd stop and I looked at him and I says, uh, is there anything in there that you really like that you want me to elaborate on? Because that's pretty much what I got right yeah. now. Yeah. He says, no, that was great. Thank you. He said, I said, well, you know, Clint, if you listen back to this and you say you really like this section, just start me there and I'll give you another hour of that, you know, of differences of that. You know, that's what I do. And he says, okay. Never heard from him again. 
Never heard from him again until the casting. I actually didn't hear from him. I heard from his secretary or his whatever, mm-hmm. one of the people. The thing. And they sent me tickets to the screening. And, and when I went to the screening, I was convinced that, I mean, I've done this. You know, you know when you got a record coming out? And you like you're just about finished. You think to yourself, boy, it'd be great, you know, a trombone mm-hmm. on this would sound great, mm-hmm. you know. And then you put the trombone on, and it sounds great, but you just can't help but say it sounds like somebody went at the last second and added a trombone. To it. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It yeah. just kind of sticks out to right. you. It's like this really, nah, you know. <laughs> so I figured, yeah, since I got the. Since I got the tickets, I knew that there was something in the movie that I was on. I figured like there's an arpeggio somewhere, Bling, and that's it. You know, and I, they realized this uh, this shit didn't work, but it was a nice idea. You know, I won't give him a few tickets; he'll be okay. Right. You know, I mean, of course they paid me, but I got to the screening, and me and my wife are there, and we're sitting there, and everybody's, of course, people that worked on the movie, and we're just sitting there, and the theater's quiet. And like as you know, the, the there's the, the image is on the screen as it's opening, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, the guitar starts playing, and I went, shit, <laughs> and like the whole like theater starts laughing, <laughs> and uh, it just like the guitar kept coming back and coming back and coming back, and I'm like. I, I had to watch the movie again because I couldn't pay attention yeah. to what I was seeing. And and what I realized what happened was, I don't know what he'd had before I did what I did, mm-hmm. but what he chose to do was attach the guitar as a sonic signature for Morgan Freeman's mm-hmm. character, mm-hmm. who happened to be the narrator of the movie. Mm-hmm. So naturally, that's like over half the movie. Mm-hmm. And every time Morgan Freeman was going to be giving his point of view the guitar would enter lead him in and then he would speak and then I'd be in there underneath various things right. and then you know as soon as it became Clint's or Hillary's point of view it would go off to the piano or something else right. and that and so that's why I was so prominent and that, like I say I don't know what I what I replaced mm-hmm. uh and then after that, that's pretty much, that's the way he works. It's like jazz, because every time I've worked for him, it's like I go in with very limited knowledge, and, and it's like got to be done right now, and we do it. It's like jazz. Mm-hmm. You know, do it the first time. That's mm-hmm. all he wants. He, I mean, every time I say, Clint, if you hear something you like, let's start there, and let's mm-hmm. do it again, you know. Mm-hmm. Never happens. <laughs> like, because the movie Hereafter, I would say, in many ways, I'm more proud of the work I did, just because it was more varied. I mean, I played various guitars and various points of view, and mm-hmm. I got to really explore the the thematic development in many different ways mm-hmm. that I didn't get to with the other movies I was in. But nonetheless, it's just, you know, I mean... I really, first of all, I appreciate your compliment, and it, it's really to me what music is about, what life is about, is to make people or help people feel and think and laugh yeah. and yeah. be on earth, you know. And and I think that's the thing about music that really grabs us all, mm-hmm. that makes us want to do it, 
It's like it speaks to us. We hear something, and there's, or we see people doing it, and we just like, I want to be Orpheus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, the Greek myth. It's just, I want to be that guy that can stop a war, that can make people love each other, that can make people cry, can make people laugh, you know, and I want to give them that. Yeah. yeah. And, um, what shows? Then, then we get, of course, obsessed with the geek, geekiness of it. Mm, <laughs> the details. Yeah, it, they, yeah. And it takes over our life. Right. And yet, <laughs> um, whether it be equipment, whether it be notes and chords, whether it be accoutrements of stardom, right. it, there's a v- numerous shimmering objects right. in the room. Right. But the real core of it all is just basically community and speaking to each other in a primal way that words can't get to yeah very well said i mean it's all about trying to get back to like a guy banging a stick on a log yeah. you know back in eons ago right that it's what it, then there was you know then there was another guy standing around next to the right. guy going that feels pretty good and then yeah, a girl yeah, came yeah. you know yeah, yeah. and then you know and then the campfire started and yeah. then you know and then you know you know, Don Kirshner's came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, no, but you know, yeah, you know, yeah, just like that. No, but yeah. uh, no, but I mean, really, it's uh, um, very well said. Every everything you just mentioned about you know community and and getting getting uh, better. Your uh, sorry, how we get drawn into music as players. But something that's always interesting to me is how lonely a journey it, it is, especially early on, as a player to get even a fundamental vocabulary. On just about any instrument, but we'll just deal since guitar wank, we'll focus on yeah. guitar. It's staring, sitting on a chair or your couch or your bed when you're, whenever you started playing. I started when I was 13 and a half. How old were you, Troy? I was 10, 13, around, around the same age. And Bruce, you just preformed out of the womb. No, no, <laughs> I was a piano player until I was about 12 or 13. Okay, well, so you had awareness. I had a classical of, piano in my early days. Thank you. 
Well, see. the thing that the thing that I, I think about is like again, how many hours it takes. You know, like okay, to to for example, to play a piano, and this is not a discount on piano by any means. You can go up and hit a key and push down. You don't have to have a callus, right. you know, and you can do that for quite a amount of time and and make sound. Doesn't mean you're making music, right? right? But you can do something. But with guitar, even just to play a, a simple shape like a D chord, you know, where all the ring, strings that you want to ring the, from the D and open that string. Is, let's face it, that's the most out of tune sounding chord absolutely, in guitar absolutely. to play. So, so there yeah. you have it. That's the easiest <laughs> chord to play and the, the worst sounding chord. I don't give a fuck if you are, if your name yeah. is, first name is Korg yeah. Yeah. and your last name is Snark. Yeah. You're still going to sound like shit on that, a D that's chord. That's why I don't play thirds. I just play root five. Right. Just keep the third out of there. Yeah. You're, but you're absolutely right. And I didn't understand when I was a kid. I didn't understand about equitempered tuning or anything. Uh. You know, I was like, why is my guitar? Why? Okay, I tuned a D. Great. Then I go play an A chord. Oh, just cowboy chords. Open. I was like, shit. That's not. And then <laughs> open E. Why is the G sharp? So right. like ass. You know. And then I was like, I fudge a little, bend a little, or then I'd like, oh, like God. I said, you pl you'll play the third. Okay, somebody else has got the third. You know. But here's the thing that's funny, to me. We all learned right picking up the instrument, and it's it's not an easy instrument to get started on right away. However, and for me, well, I'll tell you what, you know, you learn your basic chords. You got your, you know, your, your Mel Bay book, basic chords or whatever, right? How to hold the plectrum, whatever. And um, then the first, those are all hurdles, right? Playing a chord, then playing cleanly between chords. But then the major, like trying to cross over Niagara Falls or fall over without drowning is to fucking play a bar chord. Oh, yeah, I remember an, that. An F bar chord. And that separates the men from the boys. Oh, the I will tell you, ninety all the, way, all the way from the low E string you're talking about. Or yes, just, yeah, like a bar, the, like a first position F bar, bar chord, yeah. the half bar. No, 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 like oh, a full, full, full six string F, F bar chord. That's that some manly shit. 90, <laughs> Ninety-five percent of the Jimi Hendrixes in this world stopped right there. You know what I mean? Like if they had over, if they had just overcome the bar chord, the first, you know, they would have like lived to see with the a first and then worked their way down to F. Right, better. Off. Right, right, but you know oh, what yeah, I mean? That's that funny too. I remember that being even, a big hurdle. And, and to but, play but it cleanly, to, to yeah. even take it back before that, yeah. just the half bar. Oh, the half bar was a bitch. Totally. That, that that one is basically what everybody's cool. C A G E D, cool. Right. And then F. Don't make F. me play F. <laughs> yeah, playing two strings with one I mean, finger. Yeah. Though, you know? let's, let's face it. Of all the other letters, B doesn't exist. So yeah. it's F that's right. the bastard. Well, see, I learned the A seven like like that. You know where you roll over the, the oh, first right, finger. Right. Mm -hmm. My dad didn't know the other A7. Didn't right. know there was others, right. but so I had to learn that. So that oh, you learned sided, the bar with the G there. Yeah, on the, the E string. Yeah, so like that. Oh, so that, hurts. that side of the finger was always just oh A7. What a bitch, <laughs> you mother. Right. You know. So I remember that. That I had two F and A7. Right. Well, my bitch chords. And they're, and they're like, I don't know, for me, it was like there, there were those gauntlets, you know, that every, you know, that always would appear. But, and we're then, all, but we're always playing guitars that are hard to, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I never understood this, this one, you know, like, shouldn't we play guitars that sound like shit, but are easy to play when we're young? And then you graduate <laughs> to guitars that are hard to play, but sound great right. later. Right. But no, it seems like every you starter guitar is just like mm -hmm. designed. I mean, they might as well put barbed wire strings <laughs> on. That's how they I were. Mean, right. I mean, you yeah. know, they're designed to create pain. But you know, we wouldn't have known the difference anyways, <laughs> right? Because you don't, I don't know. You, it you, wouldn't have hurt. You know, you know? Oh, let me play a pre-war Martin, you know, D45 or whatever. Right. Or, you know, and versus this... Uh, 
harmony sovereign with an yeah, inch but, but high action. Yeah, you see your your tone, your sense of nuance. Or you have nothing. I know, those, but a har okay, you know, so yeah. you got the harmony sovereign. Lower the action and put a bunch <laughs> of nines on the fucking right, thing. Right, you know, right. just to get your hands moving on the things. Yeah. And then, okay, this sounds like shit, but okay, I got this going. Now I'm gonna like right. upgrade to good tone because at least like my cow, you know, like right. I haven't like hurt myself right. so bad. Right. That you know that going to prison seems like a better option. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell something really very short here. That was I've never said this to anyone, but you just make me think of it. Oh my God, this is taking me way back. When I first started playing guitar, uh, I played for six months by myself. Right? I mean, I just taught myself. I mean, you know, got a basic guitar book like the Mel Bay book, and didn't take any lessons. But I would break strings. I had this cheap ass fifteen dollar guitar that I bought, and I would break a string, like a D string, for example, and. And it would break up at the tuner. I don't know why it would break up there, maybe crappy tuners, whatever. And instead of, I didn't have a set of strings. So instead of buying a set of strings, I would unwind, the D string would be short, and I'd unwind the A string, and I'd take that longer A string up to the D tuner, put the D string over right. to the A tuner, like on a six <laughs> on the side, uh, like Fender headstock yep, kind of thing. Yep. And I went to my first guitar lesson at six months, you know, when my, I thought like maybe I should get lessons, right? And my teacher tried to tune it. He was like, what? Okay, for, the first lesson is how to put a set of guitar strings on your guitar. And that was my first lesson. Oh, <laughs> and like he didn't realize. But you know... Because I, no, I didn't know anything about guitar. But, but do you know about nothing. that... Um, what's that orchestra down in... I think, is it Cuba? I think it's in Cuba. There's this orchestra called like the Recycled Orchestra or the Junkyard. Not Junkyard, because that's my thing. But it's like that. And these are people who have like playing instruments built of bicycle spokes. Right. And they're just like... it's. Um, they're playing orchestral pieces, yeah, classical yeah, music, yeah, right. with these instruments like hubcaps that are strung with <laughs> this, and yeah. you know, and like exhaust pipes that they've made into oboes and mm -hmm. shit. And it's like it just the hum the 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 depth of human creativity yeah. and innovation yeah. and dedication is mm -hmm. so inspiring. You know, I mean, and so what you were doing is really, you know. Great. I mean, that is that that shows how you became who you are, because you went you were willing to go to that level. I mean, I have all these strings. I get all my guys to give me their used strings, and uh, at my school, and I have friends who go to Cuba on a regular basis, and mm -hmm. I just give them this bag full of what we would consider used strings, right. you know, and they're just like sucked up into the environment because these guys, like to them, they're like. Yeah. You and me change yeah. every week, every right. two weeks. Yeah. Those guys like they wait till they're rusted and broken and giving them tetanus before yeah. they do it. <laughs> and you know, and they're playing and, and they're playing like music on a right. otherworldly level. Right. And so I think that's really I think in a way if I saw a student like that, I would just go, I got one. <laughs> this yeah. is the guy. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing, like you said about the depth of the human spirit and when it, the, the, the creative force in some is so powerful that it overcomes any of the obstacles of whatever. You know, if all it was was coconuts they had, they'd be the baddest coconut players in the world. Right. right. And the same thing, it's, it's, it's ironic when so many people, uh, many people these days seem to be uh, thinking that if they bought 
you know, a Marshall half stack, Plexi or, or a reissue, and a Strat and a Univive, they're going to be Jimi Hendrix. Everybody thinks it's a silver bullet. Give me the silver bullet in this life right, to, right. to arrive at whatever. And it's like, if it was that easy, all of us who have, have or have had would be Jimi. And on that note, I never want to be Jimi Hendrix, ever. I admire, I love, he's one of my favorites all time. But my God, why, as a grown man, would I want to be not cultivate and create my own voice? I've never spent my, any of my, my evolution as a player or even as a photographer now, um, to ever want to replicate someone. I mean, if I came onto this podcast and I spoke to you guys and to your audience, it was John Wayne. I walked in, well, let me tell you, Troy, when I first started playing guitar, you know, you'd fuck it. Who the fuck is this guy? It's <laughs> yeah, fucking right. John Wayne. And then there's guys who walk around like, well, I played just like Stevie Ray Vaughan. And it's like, how do you expect to ever gain any respect and not only that, forget respect, just your own personal cultivation of your voice, of your identity, of your artistry. If, you, if you're just going to lie in the shadows of somebody else and just because you think you can play the intro to Pride and Joy, it's a whole other world to have written it, to have created it, to have breathed that before it ever existed. And just because you can play it does not get you close to Stevie Ray. Well, you know, and... You know? and- Sorry, guys, who loves... I love Stevie Ray, but... Oh, well, of course. Yeah. And believe me, Stevie Ray, Jimi Hendrix... Any you mentioned them. a couple uh, of guys that are the most copied and right. uh, imitated guys around. Um, and, and, you know, and yes, we all ad- admire perfection. In, in, in human perfection as it lived on this earth. And, I mean, I have a whole thing about Jimi Hendrix that... I think the whole guitar world has met, is just completely a little bit confused about, but uh, not to say that he's not no, as great no, as he was. No, you can go But there. I think that, that, that the whole perception of Jimi Hendrix is like half, it's like everybody understands half of who he was and they're trying to be whole, all of who he was and mm, they're just getting half of it. But in, in, in Stevie Ray, not so much in that case, but you know, it's great. I mean... What's, who doesn't want to be that great? I mean, and, and, but at the same time, that was their moment. That was their thing. Well, I think and, it, and you, this is your moment. This is your thing. Maybe you won't achieve what they did, and maybe maybe your contribution won't even be as good as is important or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just like you're on this earth, and it's your thing, Jimmy. You know, Jimmy, Stevie, Jeff Beck. Jimmy Page, Wes Montgomery, Grant Green. There's like, I can name a thousand guys, you know, sure. who just changed the lives of a million people. It's, it's, it's not what it's about. It's like, are you living? Are you breathing? Are you making people feel and think and laugh? Are you alive? Are you of your time? Are you of your aesthetic? Completely. Are you of your perspective? Of your, Are you true to your skill set and your resources? I mean, all of us, are you really willing to ask for what you want mm-hmm. and to work for it? Mm-hmm. That's the shit right there. Yeah, I agree. I completely well like, said. And like most people, really when it comes down to it, are either embarrassed or afraid to ask for what they want, mm-hmm. or they or they don't know. They haven't. They haven't. They don't have the 
they don't have maybe the the like I said the inward journey that it takes to ask that question. Right, because well, it's a scary question to it ask. It is a scary question because you might not get it exactly, or you may not. You may just stop right there and go, I, I you, it just doesn't compute. Right. You know? Well, which to me, you know, I mean, is a really good segue. I hate to say it. I mean, I'm starting to feel like Terry Gross here or something, but uh, <laughs> but you know, I mean, for you, you know. What I admire, you know, you obviously, you love photography. You found a love in the visual through the music, the connection of that. And you made a huge step in your life to kind of say, I mean, you're still playing the guitar, of course, but, right? I mean, somewhat. But you have given your life to the pursuit of the visual arts through through photography, mm-hmm. much the same way you did in all your life through music. Yes. It's not really a different thing. It's exactly. just exactly. It's just a, like a modulation. It's, now you're playing in the it's just key a different medium. It's a different medium. Perfectly said. Yeah. I, and, and so, but that takes some serious fucking balls. Well, it's just, it's a uh, uh, well. Thank you. Uh, right. For, I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm, am I wrong here, Troy? I mean, that is like you know. And in many ways, I like to think that I've done that myself. Only musically, I mean, I haven't changed media. Mm-hmm. Right. I have changed perspective and pursuit, and been willing to, if the car, if it, if it happens, so to leave all my constituency behind in order of the pursuit of this, mm-hmm. wanting to take them with me, right. but realizing that if they don't want to go, I'm still going here, and right. this is where we are. So tell me about that that transition that that moment of truth that that happened okay um well there's a there's a key component here that that uh, i should probably bring up at this moment so all the years of playing music in crappy bars that we all have done and suffered through crappy monitors side fills playing you know, big stage i like nope. those three places no 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 hang on hang on i didn't let me let me finish <laughs> All those wonderful years. Okay, okay yeah. let me qualify. Doing those wonderful places. They they hammered my hearing. Uh-huh. They, so what what I started realizing in the uh, in the early two thousands, not long after like moving back from Austin and moving back to L.A., um, I realized my hearing. I'm not hearing as well, and especially in noisy atmospheres, like going to restaurants or you know, especially like diners or any place with glass and windows and hard floors and conversation was hard to make out i mean certain people's voices i could pick out easily because they cut but other things like i'd get every third word or something like that and i'd be able to carry the conversation but i i I would have to really intently focus on the conversation you know and so i realized well okay wait a minute this is not good (laughs) um uh and you know the one thing i love the most is you know playing through you know, a, 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 a beautiful living organism, which is a, like a Telecaster through a, a memory man into a Tweed Deluxe or something. And it's the one thing that's doing the most damage to me um, for the long term. And I realized, okay, I don't want to tour as much anymore. That was the first step. So that stopped me when I was in, my wife and I, uh, I did some work with Colin Hay, who was in a band oh, called Men at Work. Colin Hay. Oh, yes. that's right. You've done some work with Colin No, Hay. I haven't. I wish oh, I had, but no, oh, okay. I haven't. But I'm a huge fan of Colin Hay. Well, I mean, well. God, what a monstrously talented guy. Yeah. And funnier than shit. God, that guy's yeah. hilarious. She could do a com- comedy. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, we did, I did some work with him, which was great. But um, I realized again, like, God, going on the road, 
it was just the glamour had been sort of lost to me, right? And even though it was, it was the one thing I knew most best how to do was to go play somebody else's music, right? And um, by the same token, uh, the best situations for me to play in was where I could always be my own, where I could be expressive. Uh, if I was just supposed to replicate the record, like when my wife and I moved to Nashville, you know, uh, I got hooked up and toured with some different artists. And uh, first time I've ever lost gigs in my life was when I moved to Nashville. I've never lost a gig until I moved to Nashville. And um, I, I realized a lot of those bands just wanted you to play like what's on the record. And I can replicate. I can play it. But after a while, it's like, God, what am I doing here? You know, it's like just hanging sheetrock, you know. Um, I'm just, I'm not feeling satisfied artistically, creatively or anything. And it started to make it get to a point where I realized I was disliking my instrument, but I wasn't really, but I thought I was because I was disliking the music business, not the instrument itself. And so I realized um, after I made that video in 2009, because we'd moved to Nashville in 2006, and uh, I did some work with Winona Judd and um, Jewel for a bit, and Jewel fired me. And Winona Judd fired me, but those are two <laughs> stories I won't go into, but they're both hilarious, actually. And that's why I, I and I'm, not, I'm one of these guys, a lot of people would never tell you got fired from a gig. I'm like, man, if you've been in this business or any business long enough, man, you're going to have your ass handed to you somewhere along the line. Whether you deserved it or whether it was completely unjustified is yeah, irrelevant. Yeah, somebody could have you know? undermined you. Somebody it's, could have blah, blah, blah. There's a million reasons exactly. why. Like, the way I look at it is you get a million gigs you don't deserve and you don't get hired for a million gigs that you should have gotten. Right. <laughs> no, exactly. No, no, exactly. Well, what was, what was funny, um, I mean, just, I, I, won't go, I won't go into all the details of it, but uh, I didn't know why I got fired from the Jewel gig. But, you know, I learned 26, 30 songs, no number charts. I didn't write charts. I memorized everything. Yep. Everybody else in the band, charts, right? And we go in. And it was just it was just a weird scene. I, I mean, I, I signed an NDA, so I probably can't go into too many details. Oh, you know. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You joined a band that had an NDA? Yeah. yeah some of those. <laughs> I, Jesus Christ! I signed, next thing you're going to tell me that you had a band shrink or something? No, 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 <laughs> okay. no, no. This is well. There, that you should. Well, and you know what? Uh, I could tell you stories about that. Um, no, but so I actually could so, too. So I, I'm sure we. I'm sure you could. So I uh, did the gig, and then. Sunday night, I mean, we, you know, it was already touring. We were already doing some shows. <clears throat> Sunday night, I get a call from the manager. Hey, Greg, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, Jewel thinks you're a great guitar player. <laughs> oh, that's a bad Exactly. Start. But she'd like to try, she'd like to get somebody else on guitar. And, um, but she'd like you to stay in the project until you, until we get the right guy. Right. And oh. I said, okay, hang on. So she wants me to leave the party, but to keep serving drinks for a little while. <laughs> All right. So, and he laughed. And, and he said, well, he goes, yeah, you know, we have Letterman tomorrow night. We're playing Monday night. We're flying out in the morning to Letterman. I said, I got that. Great. Get another guitar player. I said, I'm done. Tell the jewel, you know, <laughs> that, I, that I, am, I am done, you know, and thanks. Awesome. Have a good time. Right. He goes, what, what, no, no, no. And I said, no, I mean, you know, she doesn't want me there. I, I, I'm, I don't. You know, yeah, it'd be awesome to play Letterman, but not under those circumstances. Right. You know, I don't need it that bad. I don't want it that bad. And um, my joke is I tell people, you know, Nashville, like, hey, do you want to you wanna play with this artist, that artist, that one, or someone? And I said, well, they're not in my iTunes. If they're not in my iTunes, I probably don't want to learn their music at, at this point <laughs> anyways. You know? And it was a bit of a yep. s sloppy joke. But the reality is, is uh, 
I took the Jewel gig for one reason. It was a pop gig that I thought could launch me back in LA because my wife wanted to move back to LA anyways. And so I took the gig for that. Not because I, Jewel, I mean, she was, she was okay. I mean, yeah. as a, I mean, as an artist, but anyway, so I bounced from that gig and I realized I didn't want to go on the road again. I realized at that moment, like, okay, I'm done.
I got asked to play with some other artists and I didn't want to do it. My friends were in the projects and they were, they were like yelling at me, why are you not doing these gigs? They're great for your paycheck. And I'm like, I didn't play guitar, start playing guitar and music for the paycheck. You know, I need more expression. And then um, I, a few weeks after I got bounced from the Jewel gig, I ran into a friend, um, Lou Toomey, who's a great guitar player. He's in a band called Brooks and Dunn. Great guitar player, like a Clapton, you know, guy, a great player from Kentucky. And uh, he had a friend who was coming over uh, to his house who used to play with Jewel for many years. Yeah. And he had heard the story that, you know, uh, you know Jewel bounced me in, you know, and, and it was funny. I mean, it's funny, like, uh, um, like, I don't Do you know. know who she got? Do you know? Yeah, who actually, it was a good friend of mine oh, who okay. called me right after that phone call. And it was a guy named Ryan Warner, who's Steve Warner's son. Steve Warner is oh. a great guitar player yeah. who's like a Vince Gill before Vince Gill yeah, in Nashville. Yeah. Great player. Love and Steve. Ryan's a great guitar player, great rock player, like yeah. a great tone and feel. And he called me, Greg, it's Ryan. I, I just heard you're not doing the Jewel gig. They asked me to, to do it. What, what happened? They sent me tapes already. I got the, I mean, it's hours after. He's like, you're killing it. You're killing what? I mean, your tone, your play. He's like, give me all this. I was like, that's great. Let me know if you want any thoughts on how to approach some of the parts. Because the thing about being a sideman, oftentimes you're playing uh, songs that have three, four guitar parts, overdubs. And not just like doubles. They could be multiple parts layered. Mm -hmm. And one of the most uh, challenging things as a sideman is how do you distill down three or four parts and it might be a keyboard part as well where they don't have a keyboard player in the band how do you distill down those parts to a live arrangement where you may not play any of those parts verbatim but you might imply several of those parts through the evolution of the arrangement right man man you just opened up a big can finish (laughs) your story before i was going okay okay i'll I'll wrap it up with this so i'm at lose um troy is the drummer who comes over. He walks right in the door. This is the guy who played with Jewel for years. And he looked right at me and he goes, I know why you lost the Jewel gig. I'm like, what, what did you hear? What, you, what happened? Did I, was I staring at a rack too long? What, what, <laughs> what, what did I do wrong, you know? And he goes, no, 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 no. You are the spitting image of a guy she used to go out with. Oh, no way. <laughs> and I go, what, who's the guy? I want to Google him, you know? Yeah. And he goes, no, no, I can't tell you. I'm, he's like, I was with Jewel for five years. I know, you know. I've heard about you. You're a great you player. These NDAs. Yeah. So exactly. So there. So I probably should have said part of the NDA. That's well, yeah. There you go. That's stole from second right. party. So so there's an example of you wow. lose a gig. So maybe nothing that you can control because I just looked wrong, you know. Right. And um, you know, it happens. And and uh, it was it was uh, you know, it's never a good feeling to get I've, to lose a gig. I, I got dumped. You know? Yeah, I yeah. got dumped a couple. Of times. Oh, we've yeah. all got dumped. Yeah, yeah I've, got, I've gotten dumped. But most of us I've won't reveal. Backstabbed. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten backstabbed. Oh, yeah. I've gotten butt fucked. I've gotten everything. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But just like every way to lose a gig you can think of. Yeah. I did it. Did well, Bonita dump you for any good reason? Yeah, well, that, my God, I don't know how I can condense the story down on that one. That was a weird, oh, my God. Okay, I just landed in Nashville. Kenny Greenberg, who's a great Kenny's session. amazing, guy. right? Okay. I put out a record um, a few years prior to moving to Nashville. Yeah. And in 2004, um, uh, it was called Tailgate Troubadour. Yes. It's an instrumental guitar record. It's not a chops record, but it was a very sort of vibey record, you know, and I like to say it's a soundtrack without a movie. Um, and I would, you know, uh, that's the best way I can convey it. And these Nashville guys, I'd sent my record to some of them, like Tom Bukovac, who's a great player there, mm-hmm. Kenny Greenberg, Jerry McPherson, 
and they all were very supportive of my, my plane and my record. And they were like, man, if you want to come to Nashville, because I was talking to them about coming, just sort of getting to know the, the vibe through the phone with them. Yep. And they said, we'll help you out because we, we think you're a great player and we like you. So I'm like, oh my God, I've got infrastructure. If I land there, great. I don't have to be terrified like Austin yep. where I knew nobody and I have to slug it out on 6th Street. So I get there. Within a couple months, maybe two, three months, I think, uh, Kenny calls me and said, Greg, I just ran into Winona Judd at the airport. She's uh, getting rid of her guitar players and, um, or one of them's leaving or something like that. I don't remember what happened. And he, and she goes, he goes, uh, she's replacing one. And I told her she's got to call you. She should get you in the band. So he says, you know, she's going to call you in minutes. Literally, like we hung up 10 minutes later, phone rings. Winona calls me. Hey, Greg, it's Winona Judd. Hey, Kenny Greenberg, I just ran. She told me the whole story, looking for a guitar player, blah, blah, blah. I get the gig. They give me 36 songs to learn. No rehearsal. I talked to my friend Lou Toomey, who I just mentioned before, and I yeah. told him the story. Hey, I, got, I just got the Winona gig. And Lou's like, great. How many songs? I said, 36 songs. No That's a suicide run. D nobody takes 36 songs. And the songs are like one, four, five. There's changes in them. There's some, not, you know, not jazz stuff, but there's some, you know, and I had to play all the ornaments, all the intro licks and the, all the little hooks in the song. That's the worst stuff. Because yeah, right. it's like all that stuff bleeds together and blends together in your brain. So I learned 36 songs as best I could. Get on a plane flight. We do a show. And it was with the other guitar player. And we did a stripped down show. Sometimes the bands in, uh, in Nashville, they, they won't play a full band. Like she had to do a, a private show like somebody's birthday party, I think it was like in somewhere, and uh, North Carolina, I think. And it was just me, the other guitar player, and the keyboard player, and why, why not, doing the show. And it wasn't the strongest gig, and part of it was because the audience was more interested in having their expensive drinks and eating their filet mignon than pay attention to Winona. And I think that really set her off, right? Because right? she's used to being, you know, Elvis, yeah. you know? And nobody was caring that Elvis was in the room. And so we get to uh, a couple days later we get, start a run to go to yakima washington and i'll just say this um it's a hilarious story but I, I i i probably shouldn't go too deep into it but uh i find out from the band leader and he comes up to me and the other guitar player and says winona's not happy about the show the other night and if things don't get better some heads are going to roll <laughs> and i'm like holy shit i just moved to nashville I, I don't want my head to roll you know i need i needed to stay intact and <laughs> not only for my my you know getting another gig but kenny greenberg got me this gig and you know i don't want to blow that yeah right. so i said all it's a service industry that's what i always would say you know it's a service industry if winona's not happy i have to fix that i'm hired to fix that you know and the other guitar player pissed got pissed off He's like, what? I've been here for months and I haven't heard anything about this. And he storms off. Uh, uh, um, okay. So we land. We go to sound check. Winona called the band leader, pissed off because that other guitar player called Winona on the phone, like ranted about why he wouldn't even gotten on the plane flight if he'd known his head was on the chopping block. And he was pissed about that. And, and so that band leader just got pissed because he got yelled at, basically, I think, by why. And now it's like, now we're, the, now we're the fucking bad guys on the block, you know, me and this other guitar player. And I'm like, what did I step into here, man? I just got here. And all this drama. Go to sound check. I asked the, the background singer, one of the, this guy, they had three background singers. The one guy said, hey, I don't remember his name. I said, can, can you check your mic? He's like, you don't pay me enough money to check my mic. 
And I was like, oh my God, now it's all around the band. I'm the, now I'm the bad guy. What? I didn't do anything. I'm, I'm like, I'm just trying to do sound check. We got to get good levels. We can play well, right? I'm like, okay, whatever, drama. And then, oh my God. Um, so we go, we play, um, we play the show, and there's more drama. Um, and then Y calls me, the other guitar player, and the band leader to her bus the next day, in the morning. And she, she used to read these self-help books, you know, like, like sort of like uh, Hallmark cards, almost like all these little anecdotes about how to improve your life, you know. Oh, if you, you know, you got to show the chinks in your armor so everybody can see your inner light. You know, that kind of stuff. And it was like she always walked around with these why-isms, they called it. And I was like, um, so we're sitting there. She goes, guys, I'd like to read a little bit from a book that I think is really pertinent, you know, to, to things that are happening right now, you know, in the band. And we're in Yakima, Washington, playing some casino up there, right? And so she starts reading. And it's called The In-Between. So she's literally, she sits down. I'm sitting next to her on the bus. And the other two guys are across the way from us. And she starts reading. And she goes, The In-Between. It's a place you should try and put comfort. You should never refuse the in-between. Because rest assured, you know, licks her finger, turns the page. <laughs> rest assured that the in-between is not suspended animation. You are actually moving forward, even though it seems as though you may be moving backwards. Licks her finger, turns the page. But the in-between is something that every one of us should learn to embrace. In, and she looks around, she goes, in Yakima, Washington. And she looks at us and she turns the page. And she goes... Keeps going on and on for like a couple minutes. She closes the book, like a sermon, right? Closes the book, puts out a big sigh, and looks at me and says, Greg, what'd you think about that? And I said, did it really say Yakima, Washington in there? <laughs> <laughs> and, she, and the other guys busted up laughing. <laughs> oh, and Winona gave me like one eyebrow, like, I'm going to kill you. And the other eyebrow was like, that was funnier than shit, yeah. you know? And she, and she got, after everybody settled down, because I, I mean, I, I, my, my timing is not great in jokes, but that one nailed it. And she, uh, she goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. What, is it, what do you really think, Greg? I said, I don't know. What, what was the middle part again? <laughs> you know, I was just like over it. Oh, right. I have to say this. Prior to that meeting, after that first gig up there, I called my wife and I said, I'm done. I'm quitting Winona after four more shows. Uh, next week, we have a week off before the next run. I'm going to give my notice. I'm done. And I said, there's too much drama. I don't know what's going on here, but I'm not getting paid enough money. And it, it's uncomfortable. So she's like, sure, no problem. My wife always trusted my judgment on that thing. So I was already ready to go. But I was professional enough to stick out this run of four dates we had. And we already done one, right? So uh, after that, um, I have to leave some things out after that because the other two guys left the bus she wanted me to stick around i have to leave some stuff out right there we'll cut that story short um <laughs> but after the next show that night um so you were I, alone with Winona Ryder? oh uh, why not a judd why not a judd right i'm sorry yeah okay well one of the winers right one of the winers <laughs> you know i'm sorry why not a judd it, it's it's like a town in arizona right on route 66 is it? Winona? Don't forget Winona. Ah, oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But, okay, so you were alone with her. So, come on. Tell me the truth. <laughs> what? What? Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, look, she, no, she no, started. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Truth is something. Yeah, isn't I mean, the truth. you know, I mean, right. I signed an NDA on this one, too, man. The truth, uh, the truth isn't the truth anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, 
We do the set. Thank you. Let me out of yeah, that one. Yeah, I'm gonna okay. let you out of that one. So, so we play the second show. Oh, we damn. play the se- we play the second show, <laughs> yeah. and the the lighting guy comes. Up. Actually, we we before the show. I mean, we do a second sound check. The lighting guy comes with me. Goes, hey, uh, I really want to know what guitar solos you're playing on on what songs. And I said, look, I don't even need a spotlight. Don't give me a spotlight. Just just what I keep it on Winona. You know, that's fine. And five minutes later, her manager, temporary manager, some old English guy who used to maybe do Zeppelin or something, not Peter Grant, obviously, but somebody like from that era, comes and storms at me and gets in my face and tells me, you don't tell this mate right how to run his lights. We uh, tell him where your solos are right. You are the guitar monkey. You play the show. We'll do that right. He's just like, like blah, blah. I was talking about Spinal Tap with Ian, yeah. you know, with the wicker bat going to block, you know, blast my head off, right? And, and I'm like, okay, God, I got I to gotta leave tonight, you know? I can't do any more show. Yeah, this yeah. is out of control. And, and, uh, so I tell this, the lighting guy comes back over. I said, I do every solo but this one, because that's what it was. I was doing all this. So the other, the other guitar player was a great guitar player, but he only had one solo. And uh, he does his solo that night. Somebody was always throwing roses up on the stage. Why, during his solo, why picks up a bundle of roses, pulls one out, puts it in his mouth as he steps up to the front of the stage to do his big solo. And at the end of that solo, he was so pissed, he took it out of his mouth and gave it back to her on stage right. and which is like in front of everybody yep. sold out house thousands of people and um so show's done jack uh, her her assistant i don't remember her name comes up to jack and i and says uh, why wants to see you after you know after you guys get your you know gear all wrapped up so jack goes first he comes out yep just happened and uh i go what what he goes yeah i'm gone i said Really? He goes, yeah. And he goes, praise the Lord. I told her. He was a you know, Christian guy. He goes, praise. When she told me, when, when he, told, he said, I said, what did you do? He goes, oh, she said, I'm gone. He got dropped on his knees and he's like, praise the Lord. I've been praying to be sent home. And it took <laughs> all the juice out of her, right? Because she thought, she's, I'm going to get those guys. You right. Know? Yeah. And right. So then I'm like, okay, well, I'm next on the guillotine. You know, let me roll in there. Right. And so she goes in and uh, she goes, Greg, I think you're a great guitar player. Just, you know, one of those about Greg in here, you know, let's get you, we'd like to get another guitar player, you know, and uh, if I see you around town, I'll buy you a dessert in a restaurant or something like that. <laughs> I'm like, that's okay. You know, I said, no problem. I said, I actually told my wife, you know, I was leaving next week and, uh, but I was going to, you know, live it out for the next few shows and, you know, you know to, to see it through. And we were cool, right? But um, uh, I asked, I, uh, well, I, I, I basically was like, I didn't want to like, I was just new to Nashville. Word would get around. I didn't want to be a, a major blowout about it or something like that. And nowadays, if that happened to me, I would handle it differently. You know what I mean? But anyways, um, I just, I just, that was it. And uh, so I get bounced from the gig, and I come to find out all the people who the, the, the word around Nashville was every guitar player has been fired by Winona twice in that in that town because she's um, she's notorious for going through musicians. And my friends, a guy named Pat Bergeson. Who's a wicked? Oh, I know Pat. You know, I figured sure, you might. Wh- as you know, yeah, I, wh- well, I, I know Pat through Annie, Annie Sellers. Ah, I, I recorded with Annie, and I played with her a lot when she she was coming out to wow. L.A. a lot, and wow. so I did a record with her and did a lot of gigs with her out here. Well, when I told him the story, well, I mean, I, I just I'm a big fan of Pat. Uh, amazing player, sweetest yeah, guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm a world class harmonica player, let alone guitar uh, player, right. right? Exactly. And so he got bounced by Winona. So when yeah. I told him the story, he was like, you said Yakima, Washington, you told her that, you know, and I yeah. told him the whole story and he thought it was hilarious, you know, and because it was like, 
I, I'd done, I'd said things that he only wished he could have said. You know? right. So those are my two, those are only two gigs <laughs> I've been, I've been like fired from. Um, and ironically, they were later in Nashville. And I realized, you know what, I can't do these kind of gigs. I don't want, you know, uh, what I mean by those kind of gigs. Like if I don't, if my heart's not into them, if it was just for money, right, which is what There's a lot of people were. who are better for those gigs. Totally. And who want to do those gigs totally. and do those gigs well. Yeah. And that is like really, in a lot of ways, that's a beautiful thing. You know, <laughs> the guys that can do that, that's a skill that obviously you don't possess. Yeah. And yeah. I don't for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and I, yeah. Well, when I was younger, I was more tolerant, like I think we all were. You know well, what I mean? Well, no, but it's not just that. There's certain people who have just that certain approach to life, you right. know? And, 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 and they're very, they're, they're a resource, a, a vital yeah. resource to yeah. the whole thing. I yeah. mean, it wouldn't, the machine wouldn't work. Right. The machine of life wouldn't work without people that can, Dedicate themselves to being that person. Yes. To, you know, like, think about the Broadway pit. I mean, mm -hmm. the guys that can not only read that music and interpret that music, but they can be willfully happy to do it over and over again per right. to perfection right. to, to make everybody happy and, right. and to deliver that with integrity right. and, and full the same credibility that you do with your creative mm -hmm. music. Right. That is like, that's a beautiful thing. Yes. Yeah. I, I have nothing but respect for people like that. I recognize that I'm not one of them. Right. Well, And I would be actually a bad seed in there. Yeah. I'd yeah. be the guy that'd be fucking with shit all the time. <laughs> and, and I would be the person you don't want to have in that mix. Yeah, well, and that's a very wise and uh, uh, self-aware uh, frame of mind and, aware and, and thought. Because you're, you're absolutely on point. There's... there's um, there's an absolute need and, and necessity for, for all kinds, right? Oh, yeah. You know? And the thing, the thing I realized, though, you know, Bruce, at that, this was sort of a, a culmination that led me into photography is what I'm getting at here, is um, I realized that I didn't, I couldn't just take gigs strictly for the money, you know, just to pay the bills. I realized that music to me was a deeply spiritual thing. And I, I, I use the analogy, if, if, if I kept playing music, doing gigs that I wasn't into, art, art, artistically speaking, or where I could feel like I was uh, really being expressive within, I felt like it was a snake eating its, slow, own, its own tail, like slow death. Right. And it was a weird thing, you know, right. if you and, could put that visual and, in and, mind. And, you know? and I will not discount that in any way, yet at the same time, you know, for a... There's a lot of people that can't entertain that right. because of just the necessities of life. Totally. Yeah. Four ex-wives. No, no, right. Uh, BMW bomb, lease payment. Yeah, right, bombs know? dropping, right. you know, whatever. Totally, yes. Where you don't really have free will. Right. But there are moments in life where you do. Right. And, and, and if you do, right. then, you, then you should. Right, right. And, you know, I'd like to really go back in the conversation because you hit on something that I don't think I've ever discussed on all the 120 million episodes we've had here and <laughs> and the one person that's listened to all of them maybe he wants to hear something new but um, you mentioned about you know your your relationship to 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 seeing the the photography being a different thing and but also 
the distilling the parts mm. of five things into one part that might not be even any of the parts, but right. it's it, it conveys the message. Yeah. And you know, it it inherently to me in the in the in, the, in my world of jazz is ex- is what I see happening in the world today. Because uh, and and I'm just I just want to say that I've today I've had my first day of class at my school University of Southern California where I have the most talented, greatest. I mean I've had great. I'm so lucky. I have the greatest students, mm-hmm. and this is like even beyond that. Wow. This is just it's, it was. I went in there, you know, coming out of summer, going, I don't want to. I mean, I'm at my age. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I've given, I've given enough blood. Mm-hmm. Walked in there, kind of like a zombie, going, Oh well, I'll do another year just for the money or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whatever you. Mm-hmm. And I got in there. It was like I got a transfusion. Right on. They were. Everybody was so, as a human being, so beautiful, and as a musician, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it was just like. It was it was the exact opposite of what I, mm-hmm. and I'm feeling excited about it. Now. But awesome. but that being said, understanding the two worlds and and like, what you're talking about isn't what I'm talking about, but it, it is the same thing. And that, like back in the day, I think it was built into the model that you would be yourself because mm-hmm. we didn't have the technology. Mm-hmm. So, like, a guy, I like to use Oscar Peterson as an example. He's a brilliant pianist, as you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And according to his own words, I've talked to him about this, he says he heard Art Tatum mm-hmm. and he quit playing for, he says, six months. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it. I think maybe he quit playing jazz for a while and mm-hmm. just continued to play classical, mm-hmm. you know. But who Oscar? Oscar Peterson heard Art Tatum, <laughs> and it was just so amazingly right. mind blowing. Yeah. yeah, just that the piano could go there. Mm-hmm. That he didn't. Now he said he quit playing. I think he means quit playing jazz, right. not the piano. Right. But he's dead now, so we need to ask some people who knew him better, who might have thought to ask that question. Mm-hmm. Still, that being said, really. It was, you know, whenever any of us hear something so inspiring, it's almost devastating. Mm-hmm. It, it, when it's truly inspiring to that level, it's yeah. it's almost <clears throat> like murder. Yeah. It kills you, but it forces you to reach beyond. Sure. It's this dichotomy that life is all about. Mm-hmm. And yet, in those days, the ability to copy people because of the lack of the technology of being able to transcribe and slow down right. and to isolate and to do over and over again mm-hmm. and to write out. And right. it was like, no, if you wanted to hear Art Tatum play, yeah, you had a few records out and you had a stylus like from a right. porcupine right. that was going to eat the fucking record <laughs> right. after about five tries. Dropping it, yeah. If you're dropping in the same place, you lose it. Right. I mean, because I did that in the early 70s mm-hmm. so i mean these guys are in the 50s right, you know so right. in the 70s i ruined records right. numerous records totally yeah me too yeah. and so um <laughs> and so this was not what it was about but it, it demanded that you like you said listen to a bunch of parts 
and distill it down to something you could do mm -hmm. that would give the effect of what you perceive that effect was. Right. Not really what the effect was, Correct. but your artistic interpretation, interpretation of that. Yeah. And, and I think that the beauty of my music, jazz music, and I think all music, but I'm just going to go into the music that I've focused on. Jazz music is that the true innovators kind of grabbed not really the details mm -hmm. from what their inspirations were, but the essence. Yeah, thank you. I, I'm, I'm, that, I'm totally... And, and yeah. so then, you know, you could see how somebody could take five parts and create one part right. that had none of that, but had all of that. Right. And understanding what I'm saying right. there yeah. is actually the furtherance of the creativity. And what I am fighting in today's group of people, because they're so good with the details. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, so bad with the essence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, That's a and, really good observation. And I'm trying to figure out a way, and I have with some people figured out ways of of doing it through flash flash exposure. You know, like blasting things at people and say, okay, do what you just heard. Do what you just heard. You know, I'll play it once, I'll play it twice, and I'll listen to it. Give me that. Uh, okay, you know what I mean? I need that now. Mm -hmm. Give me that. Like you're, you're, you just came into a record date. Um, I know a writer <laughs> or I'm Oscar Peterson, whoever right. I am. Right. I need that right now. Right. You heard that? Okay, give it to me. Right. 